Ahoy there, mateys! It be me, Captain Chetspeard. I be back for this 86th episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. This here be a special one. Besides me being back, that is. <laughs> Nay, it be because it's the Origins episode. Alan Gearding, that land number took many a interview, including Lindsay Road, that sea hag. <sighs> I love her. But of course, he talked to game designers, reviewers, and even a couple of publishers, you see. Well, enough of me yapping me gums. Let's hoist the anchor, raise the mizzens, and get on with this here episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. the godfather of board games in a way. Who are you, sir? What do you do? Pimp yourself. My name is Scott Alden, otherwise known as Aldi at Board Game Geek. And I run Board Game Geek. I'm the owner of Board Game Geek. Now, Board Game Geek, what is that? (laughs) It's a website about board games and people who love the hobby go to visit it sometimes. I'm pretty sure everyone who's listening to this right now knows exactly what the website is and probably who you are. We want to know the story. What's the story for you and Board Game Geek? Do you want the long version or the short version? We'll go with the short version. So back in 1997, played Settlers Catan, and it blew me away. And I started looking for information about these board games, other board games other than Catan. And there just wasn't any information on the internet. I eventually stumbled into an invitation-only mailing list called Diggers, Desert Island Gamers. And I was invited on to join, and I saw years and years of talking about the games we love, and it was all behind private mailing lists. And I said, well, that's kind of weird. I would rather talk about this in the public and share my love with other people. And so that's why I created the website, basically to share information about the games, because there was no English information about a lot of games coming from Germany, and also to kind of share my love. So either through pictures and session reports or reviews, and it kind of just evolved into that of what BoardGameGeek is today. What is new and what should we expect with Board Game Geek in the future? So things have changed in the internet and Board Game Geek has not kept up with that. And we want to basically modernize the website, make it a little easier to use on cell phones. You know, the mobile revolution is like here and it's growing. And if you aren't mobile friendly, no one's going to use your website. That's a big challenge for us because we're a very small team and we're converting it over to being mobile friendly. That's like the biggest goal. On top of that, we want to build more tools and more social aspects of the site to really let people connect together with other gamers and stuff like that. Those are kind of the two major goals I have to evolve the website as we go forward. And beyond that, just tighten things up. Do all those ideas that we had. All the, you know, Over the years, we've had dozens yeah. of ideas and kind of just start getting them together and putting them on. Sweet. If we want more information, where should we go? What should we do? Check us out on Twitter, BoardGameGeek on Twitter. BoardGameGeek on YouTube as well. We're doing a lot of 
Actually, Board Game Geek TV on YouTube. We couldn't get the Board Game Geek name for some reason. And Sons so, gosh, those guys. We're doing a lot of content now, so check us out there. Uh, obviously, BoardGameGeek.com, front page news information, keep you up to date. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It's another Tuesday Night Podcast two-minute interview. I'm with a very friendly fellow. You're wearing, what would you call this shirt? Um, pinky red. Pinky red? Kind of a picnic table-y kind of design. Yeah, it does kind of look like the classic picnic table cover, but not in the plasticky, shiny right, type. I got the pink V-neck, you know, show off what little chest hair I have. It's good. Who yeah. are you, sir? What's your name and what do you do? <laughs> Pimp yourself. Uh, my name is Brian Lewis. I'm a game designer. I just had a successful Kickstarter with Dinosaur Island. Oh, my. Now, did you do that on your own or is there some co-credits on it? It was a co-design with John Gilmore, famous for Dead of Winter, of course. This was our first co-design together. So, I think I've heard of this game before. How did it do on Kickstarter? It did quite well. We did a, ha- a little over half a million dollars. We expected, you know, 60 to 80, we were hoping, but it just took off. People just were, like, crazy about the art and the theme. And there was a giant buildup for dinosaur games that we didn't know existed. Sell the game a little bit. Dinosaur yeah. games, the art, you said it was amazing. I know yeah. all this stuff. I mean, that's the man behind the scenes. I know the answers to the questions I'm asking, but describe the art, describe the theme. So um, we have a fabulous artist, Quan Chai, who did cover. It is just brilliant. It's a very 80s style game in terms of colors, lots of pinks, lots of blues. So it really stands out on the shelf and it's very polarizing. We've had people that just absolutely love it and people are like, oh my God. And you have people that are wrong. Of course, and people that are wrong. So those people, they ended up backing the game anyway because of the gameplay. We had it up on Tabletopia. I was playing with people online, showing how it works. It's a worker placement game, but you're running a theme park. So you have your science lab. You have to grab DNA with your workers there and then build your park. You got to get rides and dinos and get people into there. Make sure your security is high enough so your patrons don't get eaten. How'd you get into this racket? When did you wake up and say, I'm going to design some games and pitch them to people? Uh, it was probably about eight years ago, my first Origins. I came here and played uh, Race for the Galaxy, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so much fun. I want to try this. So I created a card game that was absolutely awful. I don't even remember what it was about, but it was so bad. I just kind of put it in the closet. And then I came to Origins the next year, met John, and we were talking, and I asked him if he was interested in co-designing. He said, yeah, and, I, and I'm thinking, you know, right, it's not ever going to happen. We're walking down the street past the Donato's Pizza, and they have a sign in the window for Dinosaur Island exhibit at the Columbus Zoo. So I just looked at him like, that would make an awesome game, Dinosaur Island. He's like, yeah, let's do it, and that's what happened. It's amazing. If people want to follow more about you and get in touch, yeah. how should they do so? They can do so on Twitter, at Brian Lewis Games, or you can find me on Facebook. B-R-I-A-N-L-E-W-I-S. Thank you so much for your time, and hopefully you can come back onto the show for a longer interview at some point. Would love that. Thanks. And I'm with a gentleman, good-looking one. Who are you, sir? Pimp yourself. I don't see any good-looking gentlemen here. I'm talking about you, yeah. looking at you. You're too kind, sir. You're too kind. Who are you? What do you do? My name is Emerson Matsuchi. I pretend to design games. Have you actually designed any games that we may have heard of? I may have. I'm not sure, though. There's a game called Century Spice Road. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. You probably haven't. It's a very, very obscure game. Isn't it just released? It is just released. That is correct. Name some other games you've done, and then I want to hear all about Spice Road. Okay, so I've done Spectre Ops. I've done Vault Robot Battle Arena. And next Gen Con, we're going to be releasing Crossfire. Let's hear a little pitch about Spice Road. 
All right, so it is a game where you're trying to collect victory points by trading cubes for other cubes to trade them in for victory points. Whoever has the most points is the winner of the game. That's it. Wow, that's that's very cuby. Cool. <laughs> I love coming to Origins every year. It's one of my favorite conventions. It is like Gen Con, but it's much more laid back. You get to meet people. You get to hang out with people and play some games. So I really enjoy it. It's one of my favorite conventions. And at what point in your life you're like, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to design some games. What's your story? Oh, that's a that's a good question. Like, how did I get in? I mean, I've always wanted to design games since I was a kid, but I think I only took it seriously several years ago when I saw a YouTube video with this uh, with this really, really passionate guy. His name was Tom Vassell. And I saw one of his uh, reviews, and it was about this game called Settlers of Catan. No one's ever heard of this game. I played it with my friends, and we looked at each other and said, hey, that's a really, really good game. And then so I went out, I watched his other reviews, I went out and bought tickets to ride and other things. And then I went and I dug up my old notes for some of like, the games I tried to make back then. And it kind of revigorated that desire to like get back into tabletop gaming. So that's how I kind of came crashing into this industry again. If we want to know more about you, what should we do? Well, I'm on Twitter. Uh, it's at Nazca Games. You can follow me on Facebook. So and how do you spell that? N-A-Z-C-A. Games, G-A-M-E-S. Thank you so much, Emerson. You're amazing. No, thank you, Alan. All right. I'm with a strapping man's man here at Origins. Pimp yourself. Excellent. My name is Mike Konis. I'm one of the owners of Dog Mike Games. We make kick-ass gaming gear. From anything for RPGs, we have it. Um, we have a big Kickstarter out right now for the Component Collector, which is the ultimate token holder for every game in your library. It's doing really well, isn't it? I think on the third day I woke up and I had that oh crap moment, like now we have to make all of these. A couple hours later I settled down and it worked out pretty well. But yeah, I think we just crossed 140000 and our goal was $1,000. So we did pretty well thus far. Sweet. Now here's what we really want to know. Mm-hmm. How did you get into this racket? I will try and keep it brief, but we were playing, Mike and I, the other owner, were playing Game of Thrones card game, and we couldn't get any of our friends to play with us. They're not gamers, and Game of Thrones card game is pretty intense, right? It's a heavy-duty, crunchy game. We had some beers, and we were sitting talking, and we decided to make a game, our first game, called Lake Billy, which is about drinking beer on boats. That's our lifestyle, basically, and that's the first game that we made. Our second game, Livestock Uprising, was kind of a battle for the farm game. We made these little wooden troughs to hold the pieces for that game, and those took off on Kickstarter, and we got such a good response to that, we decided to make our dice chest. It holds about 96 D6s, acts as a screen for players that like to hide their rolls or beat their dice up a little bit, and we did a lot better on that one than we did on the games, and we decided that we were just going to make wooden products from then on forward. It went really well, and that was three years ago. And so the emotional journey was from, instead of just being fans that want this to happen and trying to get people, let's do it ourselves and actually try to make money at it? Yeah, absolutely. And we game all the time. We game in the shop. We were hardcore gamers back then even, and we made stuff for ourselves. And we thought it was cool, and we're like, why not put this out? And then the response has been so amazing. We just kept going, kept running with it. And we're going faster and faster now than we were back then. So it's good. We got an overhead announcement chiming in. They do this every once in a while. 
they wait until I'm recording with someone who's <laughs> like, hey, wait, Alan's got his phone out. I hear you have the unfortunate, I guess, misery of knowing Lindsay Road. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We just uh, stole her from another company. We brought her on to develop games for us as opposed to the other company that we stole her from. So she's now our head of operations and developing games. And her first one should come out in three or four months. Oh, man. Yep. It's pretty exciting. Do you guys know that timeline yet, but I just put that on her because now it's public. So, <laughs> Do you have a name for the game? Right now it's Outbreak, which is a working title. Pimp your company. How do they get in touch with you? Visit dogmite.com. You can see our full line of products. Everything we make is fully customizable. I think that's what people don't understand right away is if you have a favorite character or a favorite game that you play, you can send us an image of that game and we'll put it on a box for you. Everything's totally customizable. We're all into theme, so we're all into people getting into character at the table, and our wooden products help enhance that experience. When does your Kickstarter end? 28th of June, so two weeks from now. Thank you so much. I appreciate oh, awesome. it. Thanks. Enjoy your origins. You ready? I am. Hey, I'm with a man dressed in yellow. Pimp yourself. Hey, Alan. I'm Forrest from Bowers Game Corner. I do YouTube reviews, and I'm at Origins right now, just sticking my camera in people's face, much like you are, and talking to them about games, a hobby that's turned into a passion, that's turned into a, a thing that I get to go and do every once in a while. Yeah, so I'm totally flipping this around, because you're used to doing what I'm doing to you right now. Uh, it's actually pretty liberating. I don't have to hold a camera. I don't have to ask questions. It's I like it. Cool. I'm going to crush on you a little bit. One of the things that I love about your video reviews is at the end of the review, you usually are very honest about your own personal opinion. I was laughing out loud on the Almost Got em review. How did you get into this? Like, how did it start from you just enjoying games to the process of you now being, in my mind, one of the most popular reviewers there are? Well, thank you. Cards Against Humanity and Zombie Dice, actually. Coincidentally enough, I went into my local game store to pick up Cards Against Humanity, and they didn't have it because they're a respectable game store. And instead, they were like, you should try Pandemic. And I was like, yeah, this doesn't look like that at all. And I sat down, I fell in love with it, I purchased it, I did the thing that a lot of people do, cool stuff, I spent like way too much money. And then I was sitting in my studio apartment, my fiance then was at work, and I just wanted to talk about games with somebody. And so I sat in front of my cheap laptop, and I started talking about games. And five years on, I'm still doing it. What should we expect from you coming up in the future? Basically, you've pimped yourself and your own personal story. Pimp the future. The future. Self-driving cars. <laughs> and for Bowers Game Corner, just more of the same. It's the kind of thing, I started it, and the reason why I keep doing it, and I, I monetize it, I don't make much money at all, but I want to pay for my son's college education with it one day. And I figure in 15 years, I should be able to pay for a couple years of college for him, and that also keeps my wife letting me go to conventions like this and play games all the time. So here's the uncomfortable questions. I'm all, I'm all about uncomfortable. Okay, cool. The uncomfortable question someone's listening to this and they say, damn it, I want to be a popular reviewer too. What advice would you give them or what should they not do? The biggest piece of advice that I can give any new reviewer is you cannot care about how many people view your video. 
you absolutely cannot care. You can't care about thumbs down. You cannot care about people trash talking you on the internet. You have to have the thickest skin because you will put out videos that you spend hours on that are fantastic and no one will watch them and you have to be prepared for that because there's so many reviewers out there and there's so many top dogs out there that it, you just have to keep working your way up, be consistent, have a niche, and while your first couple videos might suck, I don't mind did, they're terrible, you'll eventually find your particular groove and then just go with it. Be yourself, really. Really good advice. Anything else you want to say to the listeners? Yes, Russian Roulette is fantastic, and I cannot wait for part three of whatever's coming out for Tuesday Night Games. Thank <laughs> you. Just saying that because you're here. I absolutely adore both those games. The best thing that you said when you reviewed World Championship Russian Roulette is you said, Tuesday Night Games, we were worried about the sophomore slump. Didn't happen. That made Sean, my business partner, so happy. So thanks so much for your time, and thanks so much for doing what you do. Thank you. I'm here with a gentleman that I've never met until today. Uh, I am Isaac Childress, the designer of Gloomhaven and publisher of Gloomhaven. I'm a designer slash publisher slash developer for Cephalofair Games. Let's get to what our listeners really want to know. You made Gloomhaven kind of a big deal. Were you expecting kind of it to deal, be? Yeah. I knew I had a good game. You know, I've been working on it for a long time, and I was I was really happy with it. And so, yeah, I was I was expecting people to to react positively. The magnitude of that positivity was a little unexpected, or a lot unexpected, but yeah, it was good. I think that really reflects in your updates, too. You're very humble in your updates. My main question is, what's the story of you saying, you know what, I'm going to make games? I don't know. It was just a thing, like, I, about, I don't know, five, six years ago, I started going to, like, a weekly game group, and started playing all the hot new games and you know heavier euros like i don't know there's like sulkin and trajan and that's lots of like int- i just introduced to lots of like new interesting mechanics that i haven't really experienced before and it sort of just percolated in my brain and one day i was like ah, i have a game idea let's write it down and see where it goes and that was my first game uh, forge war which was on kickstarter like in 2014 and did pretty well and, and you did that all on your own yeah yeah, um, you know, hired graphic designers and artists, right. sort of freelance. Uh, but yeah, did all the Kickstarter, all the development. And What was the emotional journey? Because you didn't pitch it to anyone, or you did, and you said, screw it, I'm going to go on my own? Yeah, I sort of saw it as a challenge. Like, I didn't really pitch it to anybody, because I didn't really think anybody would be interested in it. It's a pretty heavy Euro game. Like, there's a lot of components, sort of like a, a big, sprawling thing. As an unknown designer, I just I couldn't think of a publisher who would be interested you know, it's not really something you could pitch, like, at a, a speed dating publisher right. thing, you know. I probably could have, like, shopped it around. Maybe I would have found somebody, but it would have been a lot of work. Instead, I decided, well, let's just let's just do it. Let's just take this on as a challenge and, and see how far I can go with it. You know, like, find some artists. Like, I didn't actually know any artists or designers, I, so I shopped around for those and developed the game and put it up on Kickstarter and just went with it. That's incredible. <laughs> how did you have the time for all this? Uh, I was a, a grad student in physics at Purdue at the time, and I probably 
shouldn't have had the time for it, but I was sort of like burnt out on my PhD at that point, and so I kind of maybe shirked my responsibilities a little bit and just started working on board games instead. But Did you do your dissertation? Yeah, you defended? I eventually finished my degree. I didn't realize I was talking to Dr. Isaac. Uh, oh my. Yep, yeah, I do have a doctorate in physics. What else can we expect from you? Uh, what's next for me is I've got a brand new Euro coming to Kickstarter next month. Uh, it's called Founders of Gloomhaven. So it is uh, Gloomhaven, but the Euro version set hundreds of years in the past, previous to Gloomhaven, and you're a bunch of different races coming together to build the city of Gloomhaven. So it's a city-building Euro game, tile placement, action selection. There's a lot of cool stuff going on. I really like it. It's been getting a, a really good reception at this at this con so far. Like all the people I've demoed it to have really liked it. So. I'm pretty excited about it hitting Kickstarter next month. Is it campaign? Is it legacy? Or is it just your Euro? No, no, no legacy aspects to it at all. It's just a, a pretty standard Euro in, the, in that sense, right? It's just a game you just set up and play once or, you know, play it multiple times. But, yeah, there's no legacy components to it. Sweet. If we want to follow you, get more information, where should we go? If you want to know more about Founders of Gloomhaven, you can go to the Board Game Geek page or my website, which is cephalofair.com. You can also interact with me on Twitter, at cephalofair. Uh, I'm pretty active on Twitter. Thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. I'm here with an idiot. Who are you? Stupid person. Oh, fat face. It's Lindsay. <laughs> Lindsay who? Pimp yourself. Lindsay MF Road. If you have to ask what the MF is, you're not cool enough to know. You're a game designer. Yeah, I have um, three games coming out. I have Bayou Whoa. Bash. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Someone's been working hard this year. Okay. I'm like, what do you got? Like, one? This interview's over. <laughs> this interview's <laughs> We got a familiar face, or I should say familiar voice with us. Who are you, sir? What do you do? Pimp yourself. My name is Hunter Shelburne. I work for Steve Jackson Games, a community manager there, and I'm at my first Origins. This is your first Origins, but not your first time on this podcast. No, it's not. What do you think of Origins, first time? It's awesome. I'm used to, like, Gen Con. It's a little more hectic there. This is, like, a toned down, a little bit smaller, but it get the same vibe. But I get time to actually play games, so it's been, it's been a blast. I really like it. Yeah, the way I like to describe it, and you let me know if you disagree or agree. On the continuum, you've got BGG Con, which is all about the games and the smaller exhibit hall. And then you got Gen Con, which is all about the exhibit hall, it seems, even though they have plenty of events. This is, like, right in the middle. What do you think of that analysis? That's exactly how I described it last night. So Are you kidding me? That's exactly the way I, I said, yeah, BGG's all play, Gen Con's all business. This is de- directly in the middle. You get half business, half play. So you're liking it. Tell us, what should we know about Steve Jackson Games? Sure, so we got a lot of stuff coming up, but our big like one we're building towards right now is a Gen Con release. We've got Port Royal finally making the stateside. It's been uh, in German and Austrian for a little while now, for a few years. Won a lot of awards over in Europe. Uh, it's an Age of Piracy type game where you're pushing your luck. You're just flipping cards from the top of a deck to either get money from pirate ships to build your port up and to buy crew members, which give you victory points and other powers, things like that. So it's push your luck, so it's simple, but it's got a lot of strategy. The farther you push your luck, the more cards you flip, the more cards you get to take to your harbor. Opponents can also take one of the cards and pay you for the right to take it. So, get, so there's a lot of interaction every turn. It's really quick. It's like 30 minutes, but it's got a Euro theme with like a push your luck crazy mechanic. So I'm a huge fan of it personally. I'm really glad we're bringing it over finally. Uh, and that should be available around Gen Con and shortly thereafter. And you're going to be at Gen Con, yeah? Absolutely. Let's party.
Cool. Anything else you want to say before we sign off to all the listeners, the Tuesday names? No, I want to say Russian Roulette, awesome game. That's uh, that's the big one I played last night. Congratulations, guys. Thank you very much. Yeah, we're sold out at this point. So I feel like an idiot. We should have brought more because we have a whole other day of the con. Yeah, I came here to buy it, actually. So, yeah, you guys uh, suck. I'm sorry. Oh, it's on Amazon. Thanks so much, Hunter. Great seeing you. I am Jason Kotarski. I am the founder and owner and only employee of Green Couch Games. That's not it, though. You also do a podcast, I don't do, you? I do other things. Yes, I have a podcast called 20 Minutes of Filler, and I'm a game designer, too. I've worked with some other publishers, put some games out. And I run a little Facebook group called the 20 Minutes of Filler Group, and it's a cool place to interact and talk about little games. So I'm going to crush on you a little bit. Okay. Just to butter you up. <laughs> First of all, I've known you before Green Couch Games, and you've known me before Tuesday Night Games. One of the nicest guys anyone can ever meet. I mean that sincerely. Uh-huh. You're welcome. Also, <laughs> I'm so jelly of what I want to say your success. Because first of all, I love your small games, and I love your philosophy too, 20 minutes. Because I have this conversation all the time. Once a game reaches 30 minutes, I'm already starting to think of the other games I could be playing. So it has to exponentially be better after that time. But you've got some winners. Emily Yeti Mountain. Yeah. Guilty, right? Yeah, did that one, did that one. Newest ones uh, are Outlawed by Ryan Collar, the guy who made Jurassic Tag, another game we did. Outlawed is a cool bluffing line, getting in your other players' heads and reading people kind of a game to apprehend outlaws with really great, silly art. The Old West meets zoo animals. So uh, that's fun. And then Rocky Road a la Mode. Oh, I love it. And I love Outlaw too. So I have all of your games. Okay, Obviously, awesome. I back you on Kickstarter every time. Thank I, you. I'm a fan because I support you as a person. And I'm just lucky that your games rock. Man, I'm really getting up your butt really, there. I mean, you can stay for a while if you yeah, want. Okay. <laughs> so tell me your story. When, when did you go from, oh, I'm done designing, I'm going to publish on my own? Yeah, I was making games. I made the Great Harlan Holland Company, and I loved watching that process. I wa- watching all of it come to life with Chris Kirkman at Dice Hate Me. Let me just see what was happening. And uh, and I was like, this is this reminds me of punk rock. Like, and I used to play in bands. And I'm like, I could do this because I put together records and put artists with projects and book studio time and I'm like it sounds like running a game company and I'm not an idea a minute kind of guy when it comes to my own designs so I was like I can make other people's games while I'm not working on my own and then I just was just as satisfied like when I decided to take the plunge and make other people's games and I really wanted to focus on small games and small boxes because so many companies do them as like an afterthought as just something to fill in the gaps and like I wanted to raise the bar for these little games because some of them are the most approachable things to bring out to new gamers bring out with families and casual players and just play quick and not overwhelm people with rules but give them a satisfying experience so we do we, we try to do that and we put them in really cute packages with really approachable themes and good art and hopefully people like what we're doing you have anything coming up? Yeah, a game by um, Daryl Andrews and 80, Adrian Adamskew, who did the game Sagrada for Floodgate. They did a little game, a two-player space battle game for me called Before the Earth Explodes. I love the name. That almost sounds like a Tuesday night game. I know this is a tough question. Oh, you're going to ask. Which child is your favorite? Yeah. Um, oh, they're all so good. But right now, like, uh, Rocky Road Alamode has a big piece of my heart because we, like, 
it, it captures a big board game feel in such a small package. It's I, got a little I feel board. like you stole my words because oh, I really? walked up to you. I walked up to you earlier in the show and I said, oh, my favorite okay. is probably Rocky Road All oh. Mode because when I play it, it's the first game I've ever sincerely thought this feels like a big box game in a small box in a small amount of time. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm just telling the truth, you know, so I can steal your words if it's the truth. I, all right, that's fair. If we want to get more in touch, we want to follow you, what should we do? Pimp yourself, sir. Yeah, uh, greencouchgames.com, at greencouchgames on Twitter, Green Couch Tabletop on Facebook, at Jason Katarski on Twitter. 20 Minutes of Filler is available on iTunes or um, at our website, greencouchgames.com. All right, here's one last thing. I remember after we made our company and we had our logo, you came out with yours around the same time. You have way more games than we do. So first of all, <laughs> I'm jealous about that because they're all solid. I love Outlawed. It hits the table regularly because it's so painless. But here's the thing. I love your logo, the little green couch with the dice as the freaking back cushions. Yeah, yeah. And then I love how you uniformly have a bigger couch on the back that has the player count the time. When I saw this, I'm not kidding, I was with Sean and I said, son of a bitch, it's so much cooler than anything I've seen. Well, I, you know, what I do is I get the right people on the bus to help me make these games. Like, put them in the right seats and we just chug down the road. So, Adam MacGyver made that God, great logo. It was Adam MacGyver? God, he and did Rocky Mode All Mode. He did, he did Best Reels Ever, yeah. And then the little couch icon was Daryl Lauder, who did the graphic design for our first game, Fidelitas, and he's like, we gotta do this for the couch. And he made the little icon thing out of it. And I'm like, oh man, how can I not do that for every single game? It's perfect. Well done, sir. Thank you for spending time with me. Well, thank you, and good luck with all the awesome stuff you're doing, too. Let's talk it out. Anyway. Buy you bash. <laughs> Buy you bash. Which is a racing game um, about gremlins racing through the bio. It's coming out by Weird. I'm making a game called Darn's Comes Rattling. I'm making the expansion for it, also for Weird. And then I just announced a game at the beginning of this convention called Countdown, which is a game that you played with me and some lucky people at Decepticon. Yeah. And it's about the 80s. There's an action area. We bust through a wall. A bunch of hostages are sitting in a circle, and he has to figure out which one of them is the bomber before the building goes down. I'm glad that they're interrupting this interview with their yeah. announcements. Well, we decided to do it right before the hall closed. Who are you, sir? What's your name? Pimp yourself. Uh, hi, I'm Michael Dell. I own a computer company in Austin, Texas. No. <laughs> I, I hear it's not going as well as it used to. What's up? <laughs> Actually, it is. Yeah, no. Uh, is it doing better? It I, is, from what I hear, yeah, since I've left. Oh. So, no. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm Scott Morris. I used to work at Dell a long time ago in another life. But uh, I'm Scott Morris. I'm the president at Passport Game Studios, formerly vice president at Arcane Wonders, and uh, owner of CritsHappen.com. So. An all-around nice guy. Sure, I, I'll let you say that. <laughs> okay. You also so video series, what's up with yeah, that? That's Crits Happen, yeah, that's what we used to do. I used to do a lot more than, you know, I do now because I'm president of my own company now, so it's like, you know, a lot, a lot more work and a lot more pressure to get things done, so not, not enough time to play around with the videos as much as I would like. Nice. How did you go from gamer to game mogul? You know, mogul, I don't know about that or not, but uh, yeah, so uh, I worked at Dell, I, I was in, in high tech, 
Uh, I left Dell and uh, ended up knowing Brian Pope, who's the owner of Arcane Wonders. Had a great conversation with him over dinner one night about his game Mage Wars, which I love, and being able to play that game and, and where I think it could go and what it could do. And next thing you know, one discussion led to another, and he's like, well, why, don't you, why don't you come work for me? And I was like, well, I, I don't know, right? You know, so, so we started talking about it, and uh, everything worked out really well. I think for me it was a combination of having a good business background, coming into an industry that needed some, some good business practices, and worked with them for a little while, uh, and then left there last year to go to Passport Game Studios, where I'm the president. So kind of moving from vice president to president, a little more responsibility, a lot more work, and same pay. <laughs> so, I I know this isn't gotcha media here, and you probably wouldn't tell us. So is the reason just because you went up in rank? or Yeah, yeah it, it was it was all about opportunity, right? It You're was... too classy to say, like, oh, it was total scandal. Anyways, <laughs> there are wives involved no, in no, Vegas. nothing like that. Nothing like that. I love Brian. I love Arcane Wonders. You know I love Brian. I tell <laughs> yeah, so yeah. many stories. He changed my life uh, yeah, when I was... Too. Yeah, I mean, literally, we're both here probably because of him, because right? Because of Brian, yeah. yeah. Here's the thing. I feel like you skipped a step, and I don't want to creep you, because you sure, talked about yeah, Crits yeah. Happen. Crits Happen before Arcane Wonders. Yeah, I, I was doing, actually, Crits Happen when I was working at Dell, so it was kind of like a dual role, so to speak, right? I was, I was living the day of, you know, being the mild-mannered reporter stuff at Dell, and then at nighttime, like, saving the world in superhero games and stuff like that. So uh, I used to do, you know, every kind of video from, like, Kickstarter videos to review videos to unboxing videos and things like that. Uh, and I just I, I had to kind of, like, pull it back a little bit. Like, I still was doing a little bit of it when I was working at Arcane Wonders, once I became president of Passport, it was kind of like, you know, look, this is what I need to focus on, right? This is 100%. Make this company as great as possible. Make the best games as great as possible. Like, for example, I love Two Rooms in a Boom, right? Ah, there's you. Two, there's two, like, really cool guys that make that game, right? Ah, questionable. But if I did a review on that, then all of a sudden people would be like, oh, well, you know, is he doing that, you know, for some, you know, political reason? Or, you know, I just, I wanted to make sure that it was all going to be, like, completely unbiased, right? So I just, I right. kind of moved away from the videos and... I still do some things here and there where I just more so like ask questions about the industry and like things that are changing and try to get interaction type stuff with the community. We still have a huge community, which is really good. In fact, I've been here for like 48 hours and I've had like 16, 17 people come up to me and they're like, dude, your talks, your talks. And it's like, so it's, it's still, it's still there. So it's, uh, it's fun. Yeah. They call that journalistic integrity, making sure you're not dipping into your own profits and things. I guess. Yeah. I just call it being normal. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what are you, pimp what is your booth pimping? So now Sure. Pimp, pimp your company. So three three things. So the first thing is our new logo, which on your podcast, I'm sure everyone can see nice and clear, right? It's beautiful. So, yeah, so we, we have a brand new logo that we're kind of unveiling for the first time here. But we just kind of did a little bit of a rebrand with the company and get it more to, you know, in line with the name Passport, right? Most people don't necessarily know who Passport Game Studios are because we don't produce a lot of our own games. What we do is we work with European partners and bring their games to North America. Hence the name Passport, right? So we're bringing it over from Europe. The two new ones that we're talking about here were previewing them here. They're going to be for sale at Gen Con for the first time. First one is Professor Evil in the Citadel of Time, which is a game from Funforge, the makers of Takedo. It is a phenomenal game. It is like Scooby-Doo meets Forbidden Island. There, there's like calamity. You're running in and out of all these rooms. You're trying to capture these treasures. But then there's Professor Evil who's trying to take them and abscond with them and get off with them. And he's an absolute jerk. He has like all these traps throughout the house that you could fall into and all these locked doors you got to get around. So it's a co-op. We work together and we either save four treasures and win the day or we don't and the professor does and he wins the day so you're, you're winning and dying by each other working together and, and having a good time Is this a one versus four type of thing or is the no, game? No, no. It's, it's an AI and a lot of it is dealt with time so he has a certain amount of time before he's going to capture treasures 
you have different characters that you can play with, uh, and they all do different things. Some manipulate time, some manipulate traps, things like that. I always like to call the guy that manipulates traps Fred, even though he's not Fred, but it's got beautiful artwork. It's like our big Gen Con release. The next one is a game called Skyward. It's a I split, you choose drafting game. These four factions have been warring for years, and they've decided to put aside their differences, and they're going to make the first floating city. So each player has to basically build a district of that city, and you have to build it better than anybody else. Uh, really, really easy game. Plays like four players in like maybe 30 minutes. I mean, it's fast, beautiful looking, and, and a low price point of like 25 bucks, which is really good too. And then we got a couple other games coming out. The big one is going to be a game called uh, Hand of Fate Ordeals, which is based on the Hand of Fate video Yeah, game. that's on Kickstarter right now, isn't it? It is, yeah. So so they they follow a lot. I'm of, a Kickstarter addict, I so. Know, I am too. I'm, I'm like, I think that if there was a badge above Superbacker, I would get that because, like, the one thing I don't ever want to do in my life is go in and see my open Kickstarter report because it's like, oh, I'm spending that much money. <laughs> I would probably end up getting divorced. I think my wife would leave me if she knew exactly yeah. how much money I spent Thankfully, on Kickstarter my wife is a gamer so I can get away with a little bit of it but yeah it's, it's pretty crazy but yeah it's on Kickstarter it's doing phenomenal it's like 200 something thousand dollars right now the, the art is just oh, gorgeous gorgeous and they so Defiant who's the video game developer who does Hand of Fate they've been behind them 100% on this super cool guys and, and they're doing a lot of different things like you know intertwining like codes for the game so that you can do that while you're playing you know with the board game and everything like that oh, crazy yeah it's really really cool I'm really excited about it so that's going through Kickstarter then it's going to go to fulfillment once it's done with fulfillment to the backers then we passport are going to have that to sell to distribution and retail so we're basically going to be their arm to get their games into broader hobby retail shops than just what they're doing with kickstarter so it's going to be really exciting we want to follow you get more information where do we go what do we do the internet no <laughs> so we're we're everywhere so uh, for us it's just to search passport games on facebook on twitter on instagram on snapchat on instapeep on book wet whatever wherever you want to go we're we're passport game studios uh and if you want to follow me i'm just at crits happen on twitter so i think you've said enough that i can edit this so that the police will be knocking on your door nice i like that it's friday already <laughs> all right cool thank you so much with assassin at this con oh god you had to bring that up right all right i mean you have to people care about assassin for the first time i was able to sneak up on alan because he was busy setting up his booth that's bullshit tell the real story no but then i panicked and instead of slitting his throat like i was supposed to i tried to shoot him in the chest but apparently not only is that illegal which i'm not convinced that that's a rule that's total bullshit because i could just stand across the room and be like by the way i sniped you before you even got a chance to touched your chest but then i no you did not you never touched me you never touched me you were such a liar you were such a liar you never touched me you never touched me do you honestly think in your memory did you touch me don't you remember talking about how we didn't even end up hugging each other and we never yeah, even have physical contact. Because you were contact. dead. Because I shot you in the chest when I touched You're you. You're such a liar. <laughs> you freaking go going to politics. My God, <laughs> such a liar. This interview's over. Do you honestly think you touched me? <laughs> I did touch you. You never touched me. Oh I even God. said we never even physically had oh, contact. Take your horns. I'll rip it right off of your face. You never touched me. Wait, we gotta skip. This is bullshit. Hey, you were there. Did Lindsay ever touch me? Ha!
Hell no! no you weren't even close. Why? Oh, okay. Let's go to someone who's on your side. You think Mike from Dogmite's on your side? Yeah, yeah. Let's go over here. Because Mike was there too. You never even touched me. You never even came close. This is such bullcrap. We're walking all the way down to the Dogmite booth. It's such a far walk. And this is terrible audio. Yeah, because you're lying. I can't believe in your crazed mind. Because you think that the audience is going to believe all of the bullshit coming out of your mouth right now. This is the big... I can't believe how insane you are right now. Mike, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but this is really important. You were there when Lindsay tried to assassinate me. Yes or no? I was there, yes. Did she end up touching me at all? She may have touched you inappropriately, but you were certainly not assassinated. Boom. Now, did she? she's claiming that she got and touched my chest with a gun. Did she ever make physical contact when she tried to assassinate me? With a gun. No. No. What? You're crazy. What? You didn't touch me. I'm saying, I don't know what I in your... I felt it on my fingertips. You felt nothing on your fingertips. There was a solid, like, three feet. You never even got close. No, this is war. This is, you start right. a war right now. Okay, <laughs> witness, how many witnesses will it take? Because I wouldn't lie to you, I'd All be right. like, yeah, no, you no. touched me. I know you wouldn't lie to me. I know that you think you're right, but you're not right. No. <laughs> no one, apparently, everyone was in a paradox dimension when I touched you. Yeah, I think it was in your dreams, and I have to tell I you, do. you got to keep dreaming, because it didn't happen. <laughs> so it was All a right. cat's game. Right. You at least will acquiesce to the point that at it was a cat's game. I didn't lose. I didn't lose. But you didn't win. No, but it was the first time ever that I lived through a con, so that's good news. Gen Con, I'm going to slit your throat so hard that the... That I'm actually going to die. Yeah, that you're probably actually going to die. Yeah. And then this audio comes out, I'm sure police will be showing up. Well, that was too long of an interview. <laughs> I'm at Origins at the Nerd Nighter party. I'm with a gentleman who says he's from China. I'm Seth Hyatt with Mayday Games, and I am uh, the boss of everybody else except Ryan. So Mayday Games, that sounds like a familiar company. Name some games that Mayday Games has done. We've done Get Bit, uh, Dead Man's Draw, Meteor. I'm trying to think of our other more famous ones. Uh, Macroscope just came out. We did uh, Viceroy as one of our more popular titles. So we've done quite a few. We've done maybe 30 games. I'm going to crush on Mayday Games a bit, because I have literally every game you have. Wow. Kickstarter Addict. Awesome. Here's the thing. Dead Man's Draw, yeah. one of my favorite games ever, hits the table all the time. At what point did you say, oh my goodness, I want to get into this racket. Okay. What's your story, sir? Jeez, two minutes? Come on. This is a ten-minute conversation. I know. This is great. Yeah. So I got into games like most people playing Settlers of Catan in like 2001. I went out the next day and bought the City's Nice expansion with five, six player, blew 120 bucks at a local game store and said, that's crazy, I can't do that again. So I became a, a distributor and I started a little store and did that for about eight years in Layton, Utah. And then in 2008, I closed that down and started Mayday Games doing my own games. And then in 2011, I said, how am I going to take over the world? The way to do that is I need to get fluent in Mandarin and I need to learn German so I can do cheap manufacturing and I can sell to all the people who buy games. Sprechen Sie Deutsch? Nein, nein. Ich verstehe nur ein bisschen Deutsch. But enough to get by. In 2011, I sold my house, sold my cars, packed up everything, moved my wife and three kids to China, didn't speak a word of Chinese. And I was there for five years getting manufacturing in order, learning how to speak Mandarin and talking to the factories directly, getting everything done cheaply and high quality. And then in July of last year, we decided to move back. My oldest is now in college. My other son's going in to be a senior, and we figured it was time to move back. So we've been back about a year. I want to know, what was that conversation like saying, hey, let's sell everything and move our entire life to China? 
you know, I've been trying to get my wife to move out of Utah for about 10 years. I'd say, let's move to Nebraska, where I went to junior high. I loved it there. It was great. The pizza's great at, at Valentino's. Or moved to North Carolina, where my family's from. My wife said, those are too weird. I don't want to move there. There's no mountains. And I said, how about China? Oh, that sounds fun. Let's go there. So it was no problem for her. The first year was brutal. We didn't have a car. It was cold. We only had one suitcase each, because we came from Essen that year in 2011. But after that, we started learning how to do things, and we got a little better. And just when we started to love it is when we decided to come home. We still love it, though. We're going back in July for six weeks for family vacation. My kids were forgetting common American expressions, so it was time to come back. Seth, I think you deserve way more than two minutes, so I'm probably going to ask you to come back to the podcast sometime. Sure, I'd love to. What should we look for for Mayday games? We'll have more fun family games. Our Kind of our mantra is like, we like to have games you can explain in three minutes and play in 10 to 15 at a $20 to $25 price point. That's our main bread and butter. It's what we like to play. You just spoke my language, sir. Thank you. I'm glad to do it. I love I love breaking those out with family, friends. Gamers like those filler games, but so do uh, less gamey people. Here's my last question that I have to ask. You guys make Dead Man Draw, right? Have you ever played eight player? I have never played eight player. I know it can be done. Have you done it? I own eight player mats, play eight player. It goes over like gangbusters. Really? It's great. But I, we have a designated dealer. It would be me. So I help keep track of everything. So I believe that everyone should play eight player. So everyone out there, go buy another copy and four more mats. I am firmly in the camp of play that way. Well, you don't have to sell me. Thank you so much for your time, Seth. Thank you. Nice talking to you. This episode is finished. Audio. <laughs> I, this is, you should cut all of this.